Welcome to Clean Beauty Insiders, the podcast with me, Elsie Rutterford. And me, Dominika Minorovic. We discuss all things beauty and business. Clean Beauty Insiders, the podcast is brought to you by sustainable and natural skincare brand, Bybee. For 15% off your first order at Bybee, simply use the code CBI15 at Bybee.com. That's B-Y-B-I dot com. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Clean Beauty Insiders, the podcast. This is season three, first episode. We're we're such seasoned podcasters now, aren't we? (laughs) We are. We just said we've been doing it for nearly two years now, which is kind of of crazy. We really enjoy it. And we hope that um, you've missed us while we've been gone. We took a little bit of a summer break. Um, Why did we take that break? All will be revealed. (laughs) It's unsurprising once we reveal why we've been silent. Um, but also we thought we would, uh, yeah, take a bit of a break, recalibrate, figure out um, from a content perspective what you guys wanted to listen to in season three and then get going because we have a big year ahead of us, don't we? We definitely do. And I think, you know, this has been an interesting year for everyone. And at the beginning of... Um, I shouldn't say the P word, but I will. At the beginning of the pandemic, you know, we reacted and hopefully gave you guys loads of useful content with some amazing guests. And I think we just took a stop and kind of like just looked at how things were kind of changing as well, because the world is a very different place um, than it was six months ago, um, which is kind of nuts. But yeah, it's been, it's not been a quiet summer for us, that's for sure. How is it October or so? It's now freezing again. <laughs> we missed all of the warm weather and we're now back to jumpers and cozy weather. Yeah. What been... was the line that we saw yesterday? I hope you're feeling positive, but your tests have been negative. Yeah, <laughs> testing negative, yeah. <laughs> so we hope everyone is doing well and everyone is getting through this kind of tough period. I know we have a lot of um, business owners that listen to the podcast we're all in it together. We've all got the same struggles. Um, and please do reach out if, you know, there's anything you think we could help with or you want some support or just a bit of a chin wag because, yeah, it's been a fairly turbulent time for everyone, hasn't it? Just the craziness yeah. of trying to be an entrepreneur in 2020. Yeah, it's it's been brutal at times. Um, <laughs> But, you know, we've, we're getting through. Um, so, yeah, I think today we wanted to talk to you guys about two really important things that we've been focused on um, for this year, which have been our US launch and our kind of update on our sustainability mission. So we'll dive into those. But I think more generally, just like, you know, from a, a general summer update, if we could summarize what we've been doing, obviously fundraising, which we will come back to and give a whole podcast to because we know how much you guys love hearing about that. Um, and yeah, we've been focused on growing the team, kind of relooking at our um, channel mix when it comes to distribution, obviously kind of reacting to the fact that a lot of our retailers close their stores. So it's been a really interesting kind of odd um, past six months as founders of a beauty brand but um, I think you know the one positive thing is it's definitely hasn't been quiet it's been a busy old busy old six months so yeah hopefully um, in the coming weeks we can kind of tell you a little bit more about what we've been doing now. Yes yeah it's, it's flown by but I think you know pandemic aside there was a lot that we needed to get on with and achieve this year um, and the remote working setup has been challenging but it's also 
provided a little bit of opportunity in that. I guess our time has freed up a little bit or we've been able to squeeze more in our days than um, perhaps previously we were. Elsie and I used to travel a lot, which is really time consuming, Um, you know, kind of always on the back foot with some of the bigger projects and the more kind of admin heavy um, side of running the business. Um, And then obviously meeting people face to face is amazing and God, we miss it so much. But there is something very concentrated and um, efficient about being able to kind of just hop from one Zoom to the other. You kind of keep it to an hour versus, you know, easily going into one to two hour meetings with people. Um, so we've, I feel like we've been able to actually make a lot of progress with the business um, and maybe a little bit of a stop reset strategize, get our ducks in a row before 2021, which is going to be just an absolutely crazy year for us. Um, I think it has been positive. So, you know, it's it's definitely been challenging and everyone working remotely and, and not, you know, I haven't seen some of our team members since March, which is such a crazy thought. I remember the moment that we were left the office in March on that Friday and it was like, when are we going to see you guys again? <laughs> we didn't know, but I didn't think it was going to going to be a year probably by the time we go back. Um, so yeah, it's it's been challenging, but as Elsie said, we've been able to to spearhead a lot of bigger projects, um, particularly around the US, which has been really exciting. Um, so we have officially begun Bybee Takeover takes on the US. <laughs> Project US has begun. Yes, it has. It's a, a two-part phase <laughs> project. Um, And we just wanted to touch on a little bit and give you guys an update on phase one of the project, which was launching our direct-to-consumer website uh, into the US, which we did last week, Um, which was, it sounds like it would be an easy undertaking, but there's actually a lot of stuff that you need to think about um, if you are kind of launching officially um, internationally with local fulfillment. Um, So kind of Currently, in terms of how we're set up now, um, on Bybee.com, you can shop internationally. So there is that function there. However, I think we've spoken about this before on the podcast, but because of our kind of um, sustainability mission and focus on reducing carbon, we don't like to encourage people to shop internationally directly from Bybee.com because it means we are air freighting a number of small packages across the world and the carbon footprint associated with that is pretty high. So what we've typically done is um, directed you guys to uh, your local Bybee partner. So that will often be somebody like a Sephora, um, a Credo who are currently live in the US. Um, Or if you do want to shop with us, we do have to put the kind of like full, um, honest, true charge of what that is, that international shopping um, charge is, um, which has quite rightly put a lot of you guys off. But in a weird way, that was kind of the intent because we wanted you guys to find a way to to, to get your Bybee um, from somebody who can fulfill with you locally. So, you know, that wasn't an easy decision and it was something that um, we get asked about all the time. Why is your international shipping so expensive? When are you going to start shipping, um, you know, or when are you going to start your kind of local fulfillment? So it's been like high priority and obviously it's something that we want to do globally um but the us is definitely a focus for the brand next year um and so we're taking it one step at a time one baby step at a time because it is quite a huge undertaking um and kicked off that process with local fulfillment and turning on our local site so you can buy in usd 
um, over in the US, which is so, so, so exciting. Um, but yeah, there's a, a few things that you kind of have to think about um, when you are setting up internationally, particularly in the US, as you can imagine, it's like not the easiest market when it comes to <laughs> setting up things like tax and um, kind of understanding the nuances with everything. So um, we definitely didn't pick the easiest one first, um, but uh, it can be done. It can be done during a pandemic, during lockdown, when you're not able to physically go to the US as well, which is, um, yeah, which is great. Um, but yeah, we wanted to kind of like highlight a few things to think about if you are a brand um, looking to enter into a market like the US. Yeah. So from kind of a logistics and operational point of view, um, some of the things that we did was set up a US sub. Um, so that allows us to trade seamlessly in the US. It sits underneath our limited um, business. So it's not a separate company, um, but it kind of feeds into um, the overall business structure, but essentially gives us a, an entity in the US which is what you need to then progress to um, kind of stage two, which is things like a bank account. Um, there's hugely complex tax and sales tax situations in the US. And as soon as you start trading internationally, you have to think about international tax implications for yourself as business as well. Um, so we highly recommend um, getting expert help in this area. Um, and in the show notes, we can put a link of some of the um, consultants that we worked with to help us get set up from this point of view. It's really important you do this correctly. Otherwise, you can be whacked um, with a massive tax bill and it can give you loads of compliance issues. It's not as easy as just switching on a US site and saying, let's get ready to rumble. Um, you, you formally have to set up in the US and that's quite complex. Um, so as a first point, you know, our ink company, which we incorporated in Delaware, um, if anyone knows anything about, you know, setting up in the US, everyone always tells you to do it in Delaware, just do it in Delaware. <laughs> Can't even bother to explain to you why, but it is um, the state to do um, in terms of corporation, incorporation. Um, and then from there, we were able to set up our US bank account. Um, and a, a good piece of info that we learned is that um, typically in the US to open a bank account, any sort of bank account, actually as a director, you physically have to go um, and sign the papers. They don't accept any um, kind of uh, international or um, kind of like remote setup. And the only bank that does is Silicon Valley Bank. Um, so we actually set up with Silicon Valley Bank and we were able to do everything from the UK because Obviously, at the moment, we can't physically travel to the US. Um, so that was really important. Um, we set up, you know, the US bank account, and that's all free-flowing. So any sales coming from the US site go um, into that bank account and are properly accounted for under our Inc. business. Um, so, yeah, just a bit of the boring side of things, but super important um, to not get caught out, um, particularly around paying tax in the US. Um, because the IRS is not, not friendly people. <laughs> so we've heard. So we're trying to avoid ever having to speak to them. Yeah. So the I guess the kind of like second part, if you are looking to set up your direct consumer, is just working on localizing the site. So we just worked with our developer um, who is based here in the UK. Um, luckily, that team has experience with international site setups. And if you're working off a platform like Shopify, which we are, it's fairly... Um, straightforward and um, we rolled out a load of kind of site changes alongside it as well but if you're literally just replicating your UK site for the US it's it's pretty simple um, it's just you know they you will kind of like build a new site and then you have a redirect um, if that's the way you wanted to do it which is what we 
um, chose to do. Um, so that side of things probably took a few weeks, um, depending on how quickly your developer can work. Um, and you'll now see on Bybee.com that you can switch between the US and the UK site. Um, and then from like a marketing perspective as well, um, just to make sure that, you know, we have started to kind of like warm up the market a little bit. Um, we also took on a PR agency, a local PR agency um, who are based out in the US um, and have done a, a number of similar um, brands. And we've also, we're also working with a kind of acting marketing director who's based out in the US as well. So we've got a pretty good like team to be able to amplify. Um, and then we also set up local fulfillment. Um, so we've got a warehouse um, in the US too um, that we've kind of shipped uh, shipping stock over to. Um, I, th- I guess for us, we it's like important to kind of note that um, as we were kind of thinking about the decision of um, localizing our, our US um, fulfillment, we did think about where product is made and what makes the most sense there. And when we look at decisions like that, which will be hugely impactful to our overall carbon footprint as a business um, we look at it first with a sustainability lens um, so we worked with some great partners to kind of really help us understand the implications of continuing to uh, produce everything here in the UK and then shipping it always ship we're not air freighting anything shipping it over um, to a US um, fulfillment center so a US warehouse or was there any upside in us actually making physically making the product in, in the US um, and fulfilling it from there directly? Um, and actually kind of where we wound up was because we've done a lot of work here in the UK on our ingredient sourcing, um, we've spent a lot of time trying to source very close to home. As you guys know, we've talked you through um, our kind of susty score around our ingredients and, and how we um, deem ingredients kind of sustainable in terms of the way that they travel to the UK to then come become part of a Bybee product. So there'd been a lot of work that had already gone into that. And then moving that process over to the US obviously would then have implications of each of those individual um, ingredients, which at the moment are sourced quite locally for us here in the UK, um, then having to be sourced so shipped over to the US. And where we netted out for now was that actually the carbon footprint of the process would be lower to continue to produce here and ship to the, U, um, the US once the product was entirely made. That doesn't mean to say that we will continue with that path forever. I think when you're looking at sustainability as a business, you have to continue to um, assess, adapt, evolve um, on, you know, a monthly, quarterly, annually basis because things are changing so rapidly. Um, And we will, of course, keep a a close eye on volumes to make sure that that always makes sense for the business. But overall, when we looked at it as part of um, the kind of bigger bigger project, that was where we wound up that this was the most sustainable way of doing things. Yes. And that leads us really nicely on to um, the second big kind of pillar and mission that we've been working on around um, sustainability. As you guys know, obviously, you know, first and foremost, we are a commercial business and, and we make products, um, but the values around the brand um, and our passion around sustainability um, always is a focus for us. Um, and I think this year, while we've always done a lot in sustainability, we've been able to really articulate what our mission is and where we want to lead the conversation um, and where we think we can have the most impact. Um, 
and for those of you that follow Bybee, I'm sure you've seen that um, that is around carbon and our carbon emissions. Um, but for those of you that don't um, and aren't aware of the implications of or the correlation between carbon and climate change, I think for us, when we started to really look at all the different things that you can do in sustainability as a brand, using sustainable packaging and all the different forms that that comes in, um, sourcing of ingredients and synthetic versus natural um, production where that takes place um, and, you know, a, a nod back to Elsie's comment around, you know, how and where we produce. Um, so there's a lot of different things that you can look at and it can become quite overwhelming as a brand to really start to understand what your key area of focus is. Um, but as we've become more educated around sustainability and, you know, climate change, and I think as a, as a community and a society, we generally have um, become more educated on this topic as well. Um, it's, it's obvious that carbon is the offender. You know, our carbon emissions are, are directly impacting the climate because it's creating, you know, an almost like blanket effect around the earth, which is increasing the earth's surface temperature. And, you know, the science and the evidence is in, indisputable now. And I think for us, that's a really harrowing moment of being like, as a brand, we actually know that we have a massive carbon footprint. It's not, it's not the same thinking as an individual, because obviously you're so in control as an individual about, you know, small behaviours that you can change that can have quite monumental impacts on your personal climate footprint. But as a brand, we are quite literally creating products distributing it and that has carbon implications and I think we became really aware of you know a lot of things that we were doing in our sustainability mission did link to carbon but they weren't kind of solidified under the main mission that we've now articulated and, and are kind of like sharing with you guys um, so we are actually determined to build a carbon negative supply chain um, and that is not carbon neutral, that's not offsetting, that's actually building a supply chain that absorbs more carbon through its production processes than it emits. And that is monumentally difficult. Um, it's something that very, very few brands do um, and very few brands have the capabilities to do because essentially any movement or any, any decision that you make or any running of a process has a carbon footprint. So to say that you're not only going to neutralize that, but actually make it a negative process um, is quite an endeavor. But we are working with some amazing people to figure out the way that we can do that. And I think the advantage that we have is that we already have a lot of these processes internally um, without almost realizing that they all fit together in terms of this you know, overarching mission that we have. So we want to be the first beauty brand that has a carbon negative supply chain. If someone beats us to the punch, absolutely, we're so, so happy because the sooner anyone does this, the better it is for the planet. But we want to put our stake in the ground and actually raise the bar from carbon net zero or offsetting and that being, you know, an acceptable way to reduce your carbon footprint to actually saying we need to change our behavior and we need to change our supply chains in order to actually minimize and start to negatively absorb the carbon that we're emitting um, because neutralizing it just means that we're at kind of a ground zero perspective, but there's already so much carbon in the atmosphere. If we don't start to retract and absorb it as well as offset people that aren't carbon neutral, carbon negative, then we've got no way of being able to get on top of our um, goal as a, as a planet. 
Yeah. So maybe we should like take it, take it a step back and break down exactly how we get there and also what some of these terms mean for people who maybe um, aren't kind of aware. Um, so our, we've got like a two-phased goal. So obviously, as Dom has said, the like end goal is carbon negative. Um, we've not been able to put a time frame on that just yet. Um, we're still working really hard on understanding um, the processes that need to go into making that happen. Um, but what we have done is set out some very clear goals to get us into kind of like uh, probably phase one and two of that end goal. And they take us quite clearly to the end of 2020 and then to the end of 2021. So we've gone out and hung our hats on um, being net carbon zero by the end of 2020. So what that means is we will be a carbon uh, neutral brand and we will look into all the historical carbon emissions for the business as a whole. Um, obviously, those carbon emissions have already happened, so we can't go back and reduce them or we can't go back and make them negative. The only way that we're able to um, make them neutral, essentially, is by offsetting. We have talked about offsetting on the podcast before, um, but just as a kind of, um, I guess, as a, as a bit of a refresh for you guys, um, carbon offsetting is essentially where you buy credits um, that look to... Um, so the easiest way to kind of like look at it is probably um, if you look at offsetting something like a piece of travel, so say a, an airline flight, which I don't think many of us are doing at the moment, but at one point we, we really were. Um, so that, that flight will have a certain amount of carbon associated to, um, uh, yeah, to the, the plane, right, um, which will be based on its weight and how much carbon it gives off. So you would input that data and you would then work with a carbon offsetting um, partner who would say, okay, that is X amount of tons of um, carbon that we need to offset. They will then go and find a project that looks to um, take that carbon from the atmosphere, which is usually through planting trees. That's, that's the kind of like most popular way of carbon offsetting um, because obviously uh, trees and plants um, absorb carbon dioxide. So they would say to be able to offset that flight and bring it back down to neutral as if you didn't take that flight, you will need to plant X amount of trees that will cost you this much with this project based in, uh, you know, Southeast Asia or the Amazon or and there are tons of different um, projects that are kind of associated to it. It's, it's a really great way of looking at things. And it's, it's something that we should all get into the habit to do um, from a personal standpoint, definitely. Um, you know, offsetting is, is fantastic. It's definitely a first step in um, kind of really looking at carbon. And, you know, the kind of additional benefits of some of these projects, you know, a lot of them are supporting local communities. They're supporting local businesses. Um, you can find ones that um, specifically look at, you know, supporting communities of women, for example. And not only will they support that tree planting, that physical tree planting, but they also supply these women with additional education. Um, obviously, they're supporting them financially. So there's a really great kind of story around offsetting and we're definitely not bashing it. But if you look at it and say, what would happen if I just didn't take that flight in the first place? That's quite a difficult kind of thing to overcome because it is sort of like, that is definitely the more sustainable thing to do in, in the options there. So offsetting is like the kind of fallback option to us. It's like, we shouldn't really be putting that carbon out in the first place. So as I said, we can't go back and undo all of the carbon that we've already put into the atmosphere. So we're currently working with an auditing partner to offset 
everything we've done so far, which will get us to net, will get us to zero. We'll get us to the end of 2020 and we'll be back on no carbon, but that is through offsetting. The second part of the goal, as you probably guessed, is then saying, how do we actually reduce this carbon? Um, And that's where things get really complicated, really interesting, really meaty, really geeky if you're into that kind of stuff. Um, And it's definitely not straightforward. And this is where you will not really hear brands talking that much in this space yet because it's a very difficult thing to do across your entire supply chain. So what we are committing to do is everything's offset by the end of 2020. We're back at zero. And 2021, January the 1st, we will come out with some clear carbon reduction targets across our entire supply chain for the whole of that year. Um, so that's the two-step plan. That's, you know, that's got, that gives us a kind of 15-month runway. Um, throughout next year, we will then be looking at the processes that need to go into place to take it the step further that nobody's even gone to yet um, and get us to that carbon negative. Um, so <laughs> wish us luck, basically. <laughs> but we, you know, it, it's a big goal, but I think with the right thinking, the right partners, and actually, you know, even if we don't get 100% there, we would have saved so much carbon going into the atmosphere. You know, we're talking like millions of tonnes over the course of Bybee's life. You know, hopefully Bybee's going to be around for a long while to come. Um, so anything that we can do um, is so important. And, and the thing about reducing your carbon output is that it has an immediate effect. You know, some of the things that we're doing around transportation, around production, you know, everything will run on green energy from 2021. We don't need to wait for that tree to grow, you know, to its full capacity and start absorbing carbon. That change alone will make such a monumental impact on our carbon emissions. And it it quite literally happens overnight. So I think, you know, carbon offsetting is is an easy way to essentially try and pay your way out of the problem, but it doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't get to the root of why the problem exists. Um, so for us, um, it's not easy becoming net carbon zero by any means. It, it requires a huge amount of monetary investment and actually a huge amount of infrastructure around your supply chain to be able to understand what your carbon output is. And you have to do that as a first point before you can then start to make changes because you need to know where your carbon footprint is coming from um, and kind of the, the bulkiest areas of your whole supply chain um, that you need to make changes in. But to stop it, just offsetting felt like a little bit half assed to us. And we thought, you know, we want to be leaders. We want to be disruptive. You know, we want to be a brand that people know is changing an industry for the better. And for us, that is taking it that massive step further not a small step, massive step further to say, we're not going to be carbon neutral. It's not enough. We're actually going to be carbon negative. Um, And obviously the bulk of that happens in our supply chain, but, you know, we're looking at distribution, like how is actually all these goods moving around the world? How are our retailers treating these goods? And obviously our internal operations, um, you know, our office, our staff, our travel, you know, there's so many components that go into this. Um, But it's really exciting and I think, you know, it's naive to think that we can just kind of sit on our hands, you know, buy a few carbon credits and that's going to solve the problem that we we have created for ourselves. 
Yeah, definitely. So just like, um, I guess to end just for, um, to bring some of this stuff to light, because it's a really abstract conversation to have. Um, and sometimes as a, you know, putting the link between a physical product, like a beauty product and something like carbon is like kind of quite arbitrary and it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's that tangible. So just to say like some of the stuff that we'll be doing and some of the stuff that we look at, um, where there are like key points of, um, real carbon emissions across our entire supply chain. So when we're talking about our entire supply chain and beauty, that is essentially from, um, your what we call raw materials which are your ingredients that go into your products so if you think about most beauty products have got 25 30 plus ingredients in them so your entire your your supply chain will cover the entirety of those raw materials so you're thinking each one of those ingredients is coming from a different place um, it will go we'll look at all the way through to um, production of the actual products so how they're manufactured the packaging materials that we use and then how they are then um, distributed to wherever in the world we want to send them. Um, those are the kind of key points. So we'll look at things like, you know, if you're looking at the actual ingredient itself, we'll look at things like um, how the the product, the producer of that ingredient is um, kind of harvesting it, for example. So obviously we work with natural ingredients, you know, what tools and machinery are they using um, to grow, harvest um, and um, yeah, kind of produce that that one ingredient so if we're looking at shea butter or lavender or you know whatever ingredient it might be we'll look at things like that and we'll look at the carbon associated with that we'll look at how they're sending it to um, its end point of production and then how we're getting that ingredient from the, man- the ingredient distributor through to our own manufacturer so the travel points there and the carbon kind of associated with that as well we'll look at um, the energy that our manufacturers run on so um, as we said earlier um, we've pushed for all of our um, manufacturing partners to be running on green energy uh, for next year, which is, I mean, it's not an easy feat. Um, but you, if you're imagining the kind of scale that they're producing at, working with somebody that doesn't use green energy, renewable energy is a real, is really problematic. Um, we'll look at how they then send the finished buy be good to our own warehouse or to our out to our retailers. Again, is that by air? Is it by sea? Is it by road? Um, and then the packaging materials themselves as well. Um, so things like our sugarcane tubes that we use, um, they're actually a carbon neutral production process because the sugarcane that is grown sucks so much um, carbon from the air. Um, and then when you've got a full view of that, you can kind of give each product an overall carbon footprint. And then when we're looking at going carbon negative, we can start to look at the things that we can dial up and down there. So obviously using more things like the sugarcane um, material, for example, across the whole range, if we can, because that has such a positive carbon impact, will really help with our entire carbon footprint overall. So it's a re- it's very detailed, actually. It's not it's not an easy thing to do, and you'll be pleased to hear that it's not Dominica and I having to do um, the the auditing of this because we wouldn't even know where to start. So we're working with some great partners um, who are really um, experienced in understanding supply chain carbon emissions. Um, but it's exciting. I think like this is, you know, this is what we've got to be looking at as, as entrepreneurs in 2020. You can't, it's not enough anymore to, um, to not look at sustainability if you are creating a, a product brand or any kind of brand. And, you know, we're really, really excited to be one of the ones who are kind of really leading the thinking and the change around this. So we will keep you guys updated. There's plenty more to come. Lots more. Yes. And it's very exciting. And I think once we have our clear goals, um, I think 
it'll be a great place for us to start pushing other brands and, and raising that bar. Um, because as I said earlier, you know, we want other brands to be um, in our space um, and behaving in the same way that we're hoping to behave because it's just, it's the most responsible thing to be doing in 2020. You can't start a brand and scale it um, in this day and age, having access to the information that we have um, and not thinking about the environment. It's table stakes. Exactly, as our American friends would say. (laughs) All righty. Well, I think we've probably talked enough, haven't we, for the first episode back? (laughs) Yeah, there's so much more where that came from, guys, as you know. So please stay tuned. Obviously, we'll continue to have amazing guests on the podcast sharing all of our insights into um, how it is really like to run a business and then just to whack on a global mission around sustainability as well. Yeah. You know us. We never do things half assed <laughs> We always throw ourselves in 100%. We absolutely don't. And we've got some other bits of like quite exciting news that we'll be dropping in the next couple of weeks as well. So keep your eyes and ears on our Insta and podcast because, yes, it's, <laughs> it's a very busy time for us both. <laughs> And on that note, we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening to us. Stay safe, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Clean Beauty Insiders podcast. Give us a follow over on Instagram at Clean Beauty Insiders or head over to our blog, cleanbeautyinsiders.com to read more content. Don't forget your discount code on bybee.com. You can enter CBI15 at the checkout for 15% off your order.